Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Veterans Unite podcast. I'm your host, Shad Turner. And as always, we have got a great show lined up for you today. We have got Malachi Gaskin on the show today. He's going to talk to us about music, about the book he's written, and about being the warrior garden guy. Um, I had a chance to talk with him a few minutes before we started recording, and I, I love what he's doing. Um, and it's it's just awesome to, to hear a guy who started off doing something just on a whim, more or less, and then being being gifted by God uh, an awesome opportunity to start building a big ass garden. <laughs> That's the only way I can really put it. But I will let him tell you more about it because he's has a, he's much more articulate than I am. So let's get Malachi's sorry Malachi's in here. Hey, brother. Morning. What's up, buddy? Well, after uh, butchering the intro, um, I'm good. <laughs> I hope I said everything pretty close to being right. right. Take two. No. Right, yeah. Oh, God. I had to do that once. Um, I was doing a <laughs> recording with a guy. He's living in Japan. And we started the show. And I look up in the, on my screen. I, I have a thing up in the corner that when the show is live, it says in broadcast. And we're like 15 minutes in. And I look up and it says go live or start recording. I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> so I had to, I had to stop a mid flow, and I go, dude, I am so sorry. We, I screwed up. I thought I hit the button. I didn't. We need to start this all over again. So we laughed. He said, no problem. Man, we we got it done, and it was a great show. But um, <laughs> I've been in, I've been in the studio recording music before, and like do a take, and the guy sits there and looks at the screen, and then his eyes get real big, and I'm like, what? And he goes. I didn't hit the I didn't hit the button, and I'm like, what? He was like, and that was the best one. That's the, the greatest it's ever. I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, That's how it works, man. That's you'll never catch works. that energy again. You'll never catch it again. So <laughs> no. All right. Oh. Oh God. So, so the horror. Anyways. The horror. Yes. So Malachi, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. And if you would, um, you are an army vet. Yes, sir. So Seventeen if you years. Would, Seventeen years. Jesus. Yep. Um, if you would go ahead and give us a brief rundown of what you did in that 17 years. Oh man. How much time do we have? As long as you need. Okay. Um, so I, I joined originally, I dropped out of high school, got my GED and then I joined the Indiana army national guard, um, went to Fort Knox for basic training with the Fort Sam for AIT. I was a combat medic. Now it's called a healthcare specialist. Um, and, uh, I spent, two and a half years as a medic. And then I reclassed to 11 Bravo infantry, um, which, so I went backwards because usually people go infantry and then they get hurt and they do something else. Right. I went, me I went medic and then go, that looks like fun. I get to shoot stuff. And <laughs> then I went and became an infantryman. Um, and then, uh, you know, in the guard, it works a little differently. Like once you have two MOSs, you can be selected for either one for E7, E8, all that stuff. And uh, so when my first look at seven came up, the state of Indiana was like, hey, um, we need you to go be a medic again and we'll make you seven. Like you're number you're number one on the list. And I was like, well, crap. OK. Um, so I spent a year as a as a platoon sergeant in uh, in, a, in a med support battalion and then I got out. Um, 
was out for about three years and I tried to be a rock star. Like I was in a local band up in Indiana. We played all over the place and it was going really well. Um, and then it just kind of, everything just fell apart because of, you know, personality clashes. And, right. uh, we ended up my, my, we had a family owned business. My dad passed away and then the banks came and took everything. So it kind of lost everything. Oh, we went from living in a subdivision, you know, we were in a three bedroom ranch with, you know, everybody knew everybody. The neighborhood was quiet to I'm sleeping on people's floors with a wife and three kids. Holy we, we, we literally lost everything. And then, you know, after about a year and a half of dealing with that, I kind of was like, I can't do this anymore. And I went back in the army on active duty, um, ended up at Fort Stewart, Georgia with the third infantry division as a medic mm -hmm. <sighs> deployed for 15 months for the surge from 2007 to 2008, came home for about nine to 10 months, went back to Iraq for 13 months with division headquarters as a vocalist for an army rock band. Uh, I was still a medic, but they were utilizing mm -hmm. me as a, as a medic, as a vocalist for a rock band. And, okay. uh, and then I came home and, and they processed me for a medical retirement for PTSD, traumatic brain injury, arthritis, bursitis, tendonitis, all the itises. Oh, um, shit. Yeah. And then during my med board, which was a two and a half year long process, uh, I, I decided to, my, a buddy of mine kind of inspired me to write a book. Um, and I ended up writing a book called a warrior's garden, which is really just, it's a document of my journey of trying to find a holistic route for PTSD trauma recovery. Very good. And that's the short version. Nice. Very, very good. So since you brought up the book, I would love to know a little bit more about that. There you go. There you go. Here you go. Oh, um, so it. the, the book really, like I said, it's a document of, it starts off, it, it's about what I was doing for myself because I was going to therapy every week. I was pouring my heart out telling, you know, I was literally, I say this all the time. like, I was telling my therapist things that I'm not comfortable telling my wife. Cause I don't want to see the look of horror on my wife's face when I tell her things I had to do in combat. Right. right. And so after about, you know, all this time, I was like, I came in one day and I was like, you know, I looked at my therapist and I go, you know, Hey, I said, I've actually been coming to you for about a year and a half now. Like I pour my heart out and I ask you all the, you know, I tell you all these things and say, but you never say anything. Like you just, all right, see you next week. Like, I need help. Like, what am I supposed to do? She goes, she literally just stops typing and she looks at me and she goes, I don't know. Get a dog, start a garden. Wow. And I, oh yeah. And I turned around, <laughs> I flipped my chair. Like I cussed her out. I walked out of the building. I went home and I looked at my wife and I was like, I was heated. And I look at my wife and I go, Hey, um, my therapist said, get a dog. And my wife goes, you're not getting a dog. So I have, I have two dogs now. So, um, Very good. I, I have my Australian shepherd service dog and then I have a farm dog who's a blue Merle, um, or not a blue Merle. I'm sorry. My farm dog is a blue healer. Um, and then, uh, so I was talking, I was on the phone with a buddy of mine who was, he was trying to set up a, uh, a, a film crew to come down to Fort Stewart and film a documentary on me and my music that I was writing at the time. Mm -hmm. And the army put a nix to that because I was in a med board. And uh, so because you can't go on record, you can't do interviews, you can't be on the news, you can't do any of that stuff if you're in a med board. Oh, shit. Um, and you actually sign this when you sign your your acceptance to the med board, like you actually sign a waiver to that. I didn't realize that. Um, oh, wow. And and so we canceled everything at the last minute. And he was like, hey, man, don't worry about it. Call me tomorrow. and We'll, we'll figure something out. And at that time, like, you know, I, with the music, I was already gardening. I was already doing like I was getting deeper in my faith. We were doing all this other stuff. You know, and I was trying, I was transitioning from the, from the narcotics and from the other things onto like organics against medical advice and all of that stuff. And, uh, so the next day he calls me, he's like, you know, he goes, Hey dude, with, with all the things that you're doing, he was like, you, you should write a book. 
And I was like, I looked at him like, we're, well, I was like, oh, look at him, but I'm on the phone with him. I'm like, are you freaking nuts, dude? Like, I'm a high school dropout. Like, I'm an E5. No one's going to read that. No one's going to care, you know? And he was like, just write the book. So I literally wrote the book out of spite to prove to him that it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And then it did. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's, he was right. I was wrong. Good job, Robbie. Um, right. But yeah, so it, uh, I ended up traveling to, uh, well, it's been sold in seven countries as far as I know. Um, it's been sold in all 50 states as far as I know. Um, it's on all of the, the the major platforms, you know, like booksamillion.com and barnesandnoble.com and all the bookstores. And it's on Amazon. It's on my website. Um, and, then, and then the only difference from like if you buy it from our website as opposed to any of the other places, right? If you go to the Books a Million website or you go to, you know, you know, buyabook.org or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. My website, that money, 100% of the proceeds from that, from my fat purchase goes to our, uh, our nonprofit. Okay. If you, if you buy it from Amazon, if you buy it from anywhere else, 100% of those profits go to my pocket. So shop wisely. Gotcha. <laughs> um, I thought for sure you're going to say, if you buy from any of these other sites, I get three cents per book. <laughs> um, so no, no, <laughs> that would be, that'd be hilarious. But, uh, so yeah, so we, and the funny thing was like, we actually had, we relaunched the book in, cause it came out in 2013. Um, and we relaunched it in 2014. Um, cause it came out late 13 and we redid the cover and we actually added a chapter cause in 2000, March, 2014, I retired, um, came to Tennessee and started working and, and doing all these things. And so we added a chapter called the transition. And it was really about um, my journey of transitioning from the medications onto the organics and my journey of transitioning from the military into the civilian sector as a veteran, right? Because mm-hmm. what happens to a lot of us is we lose our identity, right? We come out and we're like, well, I'm a civilian now. No, you're not. You'll never be a civilian again because by definition, a civilian never served in the military. You're mm-hmm. a veteran. You're a veteran in the, in the civilian community. And that's important to recognize because we have a skill set and we have training and we have, you know, we have experiences that can actually increase and enhance where we are. Right. Right. So it's not that it's a negative thing. You're just not a civilian. Mm-hmm. You're a veteran. It is what it is. Right. Deal with it. Let's go, you know, pick up your ruck and move out. Right. Yeah. Um, but really the book, like this chapter talks about like the importance um, really the importance of two specific mentors. You need a veteran mentor who's already transitioned successfully. That's going to be in the area where you are. Mm-hmm. And then you need a civilian mentor that can teach you how to bridge that gap. Someone who's willing to listen, who's willing to learn. So like when I left the military, I took a job with a guy named Brian Ansley, amazing dude. Um, and he'd never been around combat veterans from like the combat, like he not, he'd not been around average Joe veterans, right? He'd been around a bunch of SF dudes that, you know, and got just totally different mentalities, right? So he hadn't really worked with your average Joe guy. And so when him and I met, there was a, there was, the interview went great. I took the job. What? I'm talking on the computer, sweetie. (laughs) My, my dog. Um, And so he, uh, he really, he had to take a step back and learn how I was talking because the way that I would talk to my Joes or to my soldiers or to other NCOs is not how I should be talking to civilians, right? right. It doesn't it doesn't cross over. Mm-hmm. And and I remember the major moment was like we were in a I was I was hired to be the office manager. I was actually I ran his company for him when he was out of town, right? And so he was like, hey, so we were in this meeting. He's like, I'm going to do this. This is our next like thing we're going to do. We were 
we did credit card processing and identity theft management for banks all over the country. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, Hey, we're going to do this next push for, you know, to add new banks, da, da, da. this is how I want to do it. And I'm sitting back watching it and I'm just going in my head. I'm just like, that's not going to work. That's dumb. You know what I mean? And, and, mm-hmm. and he was like, anybody got any ideas? And I was like, yeah, we're, we're not going to do that. That's kind of stupid. We're going to do this. And I laid out a plan, right? I didn't just like, you know, <clears throat> this is, this is how I think we should do it. And he sat back and he goes, I like that. He goes, can you have that typed up for me today and send it to me? Like, give me an outline with bullet points and all that. I'm like, yeah, not a problem. And so he's like, okay. And then after the meeting was over, he's like, hey, can you can you stay back for a minute and close the door? I'm like, yeah. I closed the door and he's like, hey, bud. He's like, his, his eyes got real big. He's like, you you can't call me stupid. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I didn't call you stupid. And he was like, okay. He goes, let's let's go back over. He was like, when when you were explaining this, he's like, you said we're not going to do that. That's stupid. We're going to do this. And I'm like, yeah, you're not stupid. You're you're making millions of dollars a year. You're not stupid. This idea itself as an entity is stupid. We're not doing it. You're smart. You're brilliant. This is dumb. Okay. <laughs> We're not doing that. We're doing and he was like, okay. If you would have said that to like another NCO or to or to somebody else that you I'm like, I don't understand why this is a conversation. And yeah. he goes, okay. We have a communication issue. He goes, and I understand why. And he started teaching me how to communicate to civilians as a veteran, right? And then you see those memes like all the time where it's like that guy and he's like, say this, don't say this, right? Right. Um, and that's really what it was. It was like a couple of months of him teaching me how to communicate effectively mm-hmm. um, because we're used to that short, quick, concise, right? So we use yes. colorful language and, and he wants, basically you have to fluff it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have to make it sound a little less aggressive in, in your speak. So, uh, but no, your it was, idea is fantastic. And I love the way you do this. However, right. <laughs> oh, however, you're an idiot and we're not doing it. Um, <laughs> but no, like he, he really helped me understand there was that difference of like, this is how I communicate, how you communicate. And those communities mm-hmm. are completely different. Um, and that's, so that's why we added that chapter on the transition of why you need, it's important to have a civilian mentor and a veteran mentor because the veteran mentor needs to be someone who's already tied into the VA. who's already tied into the veteran community into the local groups that you want to be a part of. And then you have that civilian that's entitled to work. Cause let's, let's be honest, where is all the money prestige and influence at? It's in the civilian communities, right? Mm-hmm. Where do, what do we need money, prestige, influence, right? To do the things we want to do to enhance our environment. So we have to be connected to both. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's really what, and, and the book is really mm-hmm. just about finding, a non-chemically invasive, like basically taking personal accountability for your own actions to get up and find growth for trauma. That's really the entire purpose of the book is to inspire that. Gotcha. So now as you were talking, you had mentioned that um, while you're still in and going through the med board and all that, that you had started gardening. Mm-hmm. So now, is that how you transitioned into actual gardening, like to the warrior's garden? So it started when I was 10 and Mm -hmm. my dad owned a landscape company. And so when I was started the gardening, like I came home that day and I told my wife, you know, my therapist said, get a dog. And she was like, you're not getting a dog. And then she was like, what else did she say? And I'm like, you know, and she's like, what? (laughs) She's like, start a garden. I thought it was, I thought it was stupid, you know, like that's dumb. We're not doing that. And my wife goes, she's like, all right, get in the van. Cause we'd already been watching like documentaries on Netflix, like, you know, Thorks over knives and the world according to Monsanto and all these food documentaries mm. about how our food is grown and being destroyed by national corporations and all that. 
Yeah. And I was just like, what? She's like, get in the van. Let's go. And we jumped in our minivan, which was a, uh, I think it was a Voyager. I can't remember. Um, we had this huge white minivan and we drove down to Lowe's right there at Fort Stewart, Georgia and bought lumber bags of dirt and seed. And we came home and I built four foot by four foot boxes in my backyard on post, mind you. And so that was, that went over great with the housing management on post. Cause they came over there and they're like, I got ochre that's like six foot tall and I've got freaking squash plants and I've got buckets of tomatoes all over the place at this point. And they're like, what is this? And I'm, it's like a jungle. You know what I mean? Right. And I freaked out on the lady. I'm like, this is my garden. I have PTSD. This is my therapy garden. And she's like, I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, and the crazy part was I built like, I had other families that were like, Oh my God, will you build a, a garden for me? And I was like, yeah, go buy the materials and I'll put it together. And I, I would give mm -hmm. them lists. Right. Like, and I would build these just, you know, three foot by eight foot rectangles. Right. Stuff like that. And, yeah. and, and tons of bag soil and all that. And they would get it up and they would get little sprouts coming and then housing would come over and you have to tear it down. Oh, bastard. Yeah. But I had mine the whole time. So, <laughs> but it became a thing. It was like, I just really would come home from work every day you know, I'd walk into the house and I would kiss the wife on the back of the head because she'd be at her computer and I'd walk straight out to the backyard. I'd grab my coffee, go straight out to the backyard, not talk mm -hmm. to anybody. And I would go spend 30 minutes in my garden, yeah. you know, pulling weeds, you know, harvesting vegetables, all that stuff. Um, and then it just became a thing. Like when we got out of the army and we came to, to Tennessee, like the first thing we did after we got moved in and it warmed up enough because mm -hmm. we got here in February is we oh, went to Lowe's and yeah, we went to Lowe's and, and bought lumber and dirt and stuff like that. And I designed her a custom box. And nice. then as I'm working for this guy in Brentwood, in Brentwood, Tennessee, this guy, Brian, who's amazing. Um, he, uh, I started my own company mowing lawns just to try to make some extra money. So mm -hmm. I was doing it on the weekends. I was mowing lawns and I was building gardens for home, you know, homeschool families. Okay. And they were literally just like, Oh my God. And then I started getting them where they go, Hey, can you, can you come over and like, we're going on vacation. Can you come harvest the vegetables and just put them on our back porch and do this and do that and whatnot. And so I had to develop a, a maintenance program <laughs> with my business. Yes. Right. And, and, and then what really did it for me was I ended up getting a phone call from a therapist at Walter Reed mm -hmm. who was like, Hey, we, we have a copy of your book here. We love it. We think it's brilliant. Um, can you put together something to do and come out here and just kind of teach your book? And then, maybe build some gardens while you're on campus. And I was like, hmm. I can do that. And I sat down and I literally in about five to six days wrote, hold on. I just got my book in my box in. So I'm like, I have training aids. Um, we wrote the Awards Garden Companion Workbook, which goes with the book. Um, and so I created the workbook specifically to do something at Walter Reed and I put together a quote like they, I, hey, I need you to fill out this paperwork to be a, a vendor for the United States army. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I like to, and so I, I did all that and I sent them a copy of the book. I sent them the workbook. I, I sent them an outline of how I teach it mm -hmm. and all this stuff like that. And they're like, okay, um, our budget has been approved, but we're going to have to go in and get the, we have to go in and now get voted on to get you approved to pay to come out and do all of it. Right. They're, they're, the money, they had the money available, yeah. but they had to get permission to hire me to come out and do it. And so I've never heard from them again. Oh, and then, shit. and then I found out about, and this was like 2014. And so then I find out in 2020 or 2019, I found out 
that they had hired a local nonprofit who did it for free and used my books. Oh shit. Yeah. Talk about a kick in the nuts. Oh man. I was hot. dude. <laughs> I was so hot. And, and the only reason they got away with it is because I didn't have them sign an NDA. Mm. You know? So, um, so yeah, so, but it's grown from that. You know what I mean? Like, and then in 2016, so that happened in 2014, 2016, I got a phone call from a uh, Chinese businessman that lives here in the United States. He's a citizen here. And he was like, Hey man, he goes, I, I loved your story. I love those. Can I come out and talk to you? And he came out to the forum and we talked, I kind of walked around, showed him all my chickens and all the stuff we were doing. And mm-hmm. you know, at the time I was a full-time college student getting my undergrad in psychology. And he goes, uh, he goes, Hey, I, I'm going to, I got to go make some calls and stuff. He goes, I want to come back tomorrow and talk to you again. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And he comes back. He's like, we would like for you to go to China and talk about all the things that you're doing with your chickens, your farm and all your stuff. Really? And I was like, what? So the <laughs> Chinese, Chinese government and Chinese businessmen paid, this is 2016 before all the craziness started. Mm-hmm. Um, they paid for a first class flight to and from China. They paid for five star hotels. They paid for meals. They paid for everything. There's a whole group of us that they brought over. There was me, um, another farmer and then a city councilman from Nashville and then a guy from the Ag Society of, of, of Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. They brought several of us over. We all had a, an individual piece of the pie that they wanted us to talk about too. And we did a, like a tour of like, we were in Chengdu, we were in Zagong, um, we were in multiple different cities all over China. Um, they gave us, you know, and all this. And so, but while I was there and we kept going to all these new sites and these places and like looking at these things, I started meeting Chinese combat veterans and I'm like going, who the hell are you fighting? Like, what are you talking about? Like, no one knows about this. Right. Apparently since 2009, China has been sending veteran or service members to Mali to fight radical Islam. Really? Yeah. And the crazy thing was I had a, I had my own private interpreter. Um, She was, we're still friends to this day. We still talk quite a bit. And she was like, you know, She's like, you know, hey, uh, he wanted me to tell you that, you know, like he does, he, he, he's surprised at how big, how not big your arms are. And uh, I was just like, I was like, tell, tell, tell him he keeps it up. I'm going to give him a slap in the mouth. And she goes, she's like, I'm not, she goes, I'm not saying that. I'm like, he's a combat veteran, right? She's like, yes. I'm like, he's been to war, right? She goes, yes. I'm like, tell him if he keeps it up. I'm like, can I start laughing? I'm going to, I'm going to give him a slap in the mouth. And she's, I'm not saying it. I go, trust me just say it and she goes okay and she said it and the guy goes bah and he lost it <laughs> like he just starts laughing his butt off but every place i went like these combat veterans like as soon as we realized they she was like because she would introduce me as this is malachias american combat veteran um the whole fact that i was you know into agriculture and all that all that got completely deleted mm-hmm. and I, it became this thing of like you know i started getting introduced to all these military veterans in china all these combat veterans in china and we just start sharing stories about how we came home and just got into agriculture. Every one of us, like even them, like they came home oh, and wow. like went back to their family farms. You know what I mean? Um, and we, so I started asking questions like, you know, what is your VA hospital like? What is your, and they're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm like, and I, I just had to explain, like, we have special hospitals just for veterans. And they like, they look, look at me like I had a, you know, a horn grown out of my head. And they're like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, what do you, I don't, and they're like, no. And they pulled out this little ID card. And of course I can't read a word of it cause it's in Chinese and, yeah. but they're like, you know, explaining it. And she's like, so they just go to any hospital in China and they show this card and they get moved mm-hmm. to the front of every line and they get taken care of and they get out as fast as possible. No shit. I'm like, why aren't we doing this? You know what no. I mean? Yeah. Um, 
And then I said, well, what about like, do you guys have a, like, I said, we have a homeless veteran you know, population where it's like at any moment, you know, you have 36 to 50,000 veterans that are homeless. And I asked about that. And then they came back with, no, like the police will be coming down because the police patrol really strict over there and mm-hmm. they'll come down the road and they'll be like, you know, show me your papers, you know, cause you know, over there, it's not racist to have an ID card. And so, he, <laughs> right. um, and so like, they'll pull out their little ID. I'm a veteran, you know, ID card and they, they'll go, okay, get in the car and they'll take them to the most local village that has an empty house. And they'll go, this is yours. Take care of it. Tomorrow morning, you start cleaning the neighborhood and we'll start when they take their information mm-hmm. now, you're the, you're the neighborhood janitor now. So they give wow. them a place to live and they give them a job. Now, I don't want yeah. that much government involvement in my yeah. stuff, right? But the concept is fucking but, cool. But the ideas that are possible because of that are like, wait a minute. There's a way this can be done. There's 30,000, 50,000 abandoned homes in Detroit, Michigan alone. Yeah. There's enough empty, abandoned homes in all of Detroit. You could fill it with homeless veterans. And I guarantee you the crime rates in those neighborhoods are going to drop dramatically the minute they get moved in. Absolutely. Or, yeah. or or what you do is you drop them in and you walk away for about a week and then you come back and clean up the mess and you're going to be left with a bunch of combat veterans. Yeah. You know, yeah. but yeah. I think I got way off topic there, so I apologize. No, that was good though, man. I love that rabbit hole. That was, <laughs> I, I did not know that about China. I mean, I've been over yeah. there a couple of times for work that I did back in the day. And um, yeah, I mean, the streets over there there's always someone out there with a little broom sweeping up trash. There's always, everything's clean, despite the yeah. fact that there's smog everywhere. Yeah. Um, that was the worst part. Was the yeah. smog. And the fact that they actually had y'all go out there to teach them about agriculture. was kind of yeah. cool. It was supposed to be a cultural exchange. Right. And, and it turned into my whole trip for me ended up turning into like seeing the differences in, in, in how our veterans are treated. Yeah. Over there, cool. nobody cares. They don't talk about it. Right? It's not a part of your identity at all. Yeah. Now here's and, a quick question. Yeah. While you were over there, did you ever try the pork blood soup? No. Nah, I, I tried that once. I tried like we, we had we had five star here at once. <laughs> um like you shouldn't hang me on a hook, Johnny. My mom hooked me on a hook once. 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 Um, yeah, and so we they put us every time we went somewhere to eat, every time we ate, they we they they had catered some restaurant. They had planned it ahead of time. Uh, it was a very regimented trip. It was really, really good though. And you would mm-hmm. get the, the big lazy Susan tables and it's all oh, yes. And like literally you have, you have your little mini plate in front of you. There's no rice. Like Chinese food in America is bull crap. Um, but there's no rice and there's no freaking uh, noodles or nothing. It's a meat and vegetables. That's it. And you literally have to snatch it as it's spinning around in front of you. Yeah. It was really, really cool. Like, it was a great experience. They, we took us to an area in Chengdu right when we left uh, the day before, um, where it was like this mall. It was an outdoor mall, but it was like an alleyway. Mm-hmm. And it was all vendors. And then there was an opera house. Really? And it was unbelievable. It's like the most famous opera house in all of, like, I think it's wherever, where Chengdu is like in the east or west corner, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, the most famous opera house in all of West China. Holy shit. Yeah. That's and there was a, cool. it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And I mean, it was an experience I'll cherish. Like I'll, it's, a, it's, I brought home some, you know, some good rice wine. I don't drink it. It's, it's on my shelf as a memento. Right. Know? But yeah, it was, awesome. it was, it was great. Okay. So from here. Yes. Where, when, when did you get into, um, 
your own music? 1994. So you've been working on building off, up the band since then, or? it's Well, I've been in music off and on since 2000, mm -hmm. since 1994. Like, I, I got out of high school, joined the military, started a punk rock band. You know what I mean? Started a metal band, started a hard rock mm -hmm. band, was in a blues band. Um, and just throw all throughout the years. And then, what was it? Um, Two thousand two, my wife and I got married, and I was going through a bunch of box of all her old poems and lyrics and stuff like that. And I hadn't been in yeah. music for a while. I kind of given up on it. Um, and I was going through this stuff, and I, I found this poem, and I was like, oh, I want to do this for her. And so when she got home that day, she was out shopping, doing whatever, and I was like, Hey, I want to. Can I have this? And she was like, No. Why? What do you want? And <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I want to. I want to try to put the, turn this into a song. And it's actually getting released on the album on July 4th. Um, but I went to the studio back in night in, in 02, in December of 02. And a buddy of mine, Jeff Kahn and I, we grew up together from like third grade on. Mm -hmm. um, he's a phenomenal musician. He's, a, he's, a, he's actually a front man for a band called American Bombshell. So if you haven't ever heard of them, you need to, it's like rockabilly hard rock. And okay. you got to go check them out, dude. They're phenomenal. Um, and uh, so him and I wrote wrote it. He kind of goes, well, what are you what are you envisioning for it? And I just kind of sang it to him. And he's like, okay, hold on. So we rehearsed it about three times. And then we went to the studio and recorded it. And then that was 2002. And it's been there. Like I've had that one forever since. But then I was in a band in 04 called Severance, which I intentionally spelled wrong. So it drove people nuts. It was S-E-V-E-R-E-N-C-E. -E -E. So no A. It was all E's. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were kind of like a mixture because of the styles of the different players in it. Like vocally, everybody compared me to Scott Stapp and Sully from Godsmack. Um, Cause I had that deeper tone when I sing with that rasp. And mm -hmm. then, uh, you know, guitar wise, he wanted to be the next perfect circle. You know what I mean? So it was like, it was, it was a weird blend, but it worked really well. Um, and then, you know, my dad died in 04 and like later that year, the band kind of fell apart. Um, mm -hmm. And then, uh, so I, I, I got, I stopped music for a while and I got in the army and, you know, I end up in Iraq and I'm going to the DFAC for the first time at Fob Cal Sioux. And, uh, and I, I walk in, there's this big poster, like the third infantry division band. And I'm like, what, that's, <laughs> that's a thing. And, uh, so I, I made a reenlistment wish with my command team that I would, I wanted to join. I wanted to go audition for the band as a, as a rock vocalist. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they were like, that's not a thing. I'm like, I don't care. I want that. That's my wish. And so yeah. like, they're like, okay, fine. And I finally got the audition in January of 08. And, uh, I went to, up, it was a camp victory up in Baghdad. And, uh, I went to the third ID band. I was like, Hey, my name is, you know, Sergeant Gaskin. I've been talking to you guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. man. come on in. We got, we actually rehearsing right now. Let's, let's go ahead and let's get your audition done. So my audition was on the spot. Nice. And, and they were like, what song do you want to do? Like, what do you know? And I'm like, <laughs> you know i'm like oh crap my brain just locked i can't remember anything right and i'm looking he's like hey here's, here's a book of lyrics we this is all the songs we already know we're already playing and i opened it up and it was kryptonite by three doors down i'm like i know that one and uh and so we did i did kryptonite by three doors down and then they came back like all right let's do another one and i go i start flipping through it and i was like oh, hard to handle by the black crows yes let's do i haven't done this one in forever let's do this and he was like okay and literally first verse, first chorus, and the entire band stopped playing. 
on the same beat, everything. And I'm like, and I was just getting into it. I started dancing and spinning around and doing doing the front man thing, you know? Right, right. And and they're like, I'm like, they all stopped. And I was like, so I put the microphone up. I closed the book. I walk over. I grab my grab my weapon. I grab my hat. I grab my box of pizza from Pizza Hut. You know, because we're at Camp Victory. You're getting pizza, right? <laughs> and I start, to, he's like, what are, you, what, what are you doing, guy? And I was like, y'all stopped. Like, y'all gave up. Like, you just quit on the same freaking beat. Like mm-hmm. I figured I sucked. I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and remove myself from the situation. And he's like, no, dude, we heard enough. You're in. Nice. I'm like, what? Uh-huh. So ended up, got my letter. They give you like a letter of acceptance. And I took that back. And, you know, of course, of course, the, and I, I knew it was coming, but I was like, the command team is just like, we can't let you go until after we get home. I'm like, I, I know we're in a combat zone. I get it, dude. I'm the only medic on my team. I understand. Calm down. Um, and so got back to I got back to, to the states and went on block leave and then ended up in the army band and then nine months ten months later we were back in Iraq um, as as a bandsman right um, yeah and then I, I how much of a change was that was that I mean going from there you know, was medic over there to dude so that's really where a lot of my PTSD started to exhibit itself because my temper like I had no control over my like I didn't hit I wasn't physically violent or but like my temper was off the chart, like verbally, really? emotionally. Like I just, I, I, it was completely out of control. And then, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I literally, like I was in Iraq and I saw my, in my head, like I, people would piss me off and I was just like, I want to shoot him in the face. And I'm, I can't do that. You know what I mean? So like uh, I, yeah. I, I started, I took myself to behavioral health in Iraq for the first time and started getting therapy and getting medicine and try, trying to do something because something was, I had to do something. Right. Yeah. But at that point, like, cause right before we deployed, that time like i was in src getting you know screened for deployment and they're like he's like yeah so you're i'm red flagging you and i'm like what he's like yeah dude he goes you have your knee has not stopped bouncing and you can't stop looking over your shoulder he was like this whole you've been in my booth for five minutes and i'm intimidated oh shit i'm like okay so i had a he made me an appointment for the very next morning and I go the next morning and I see the psychiatrist and he was just like, so how are you sleeping? All he cared about, how are you sleeping? I'm like, every four days, you know, he's like, yeah, he kind of goes like this. He's like, what? I'm like, I, I, I sleep about every three to four days. Like I don't, I don't sleep until I, my body just gives up. And he goes, wow. okay, I'm going to put you on Seroquel and clear you for deployment. He literally, I'm going to put you on Seroquel and clear you for deployment. So he just prescribed me an antipsychotic and said, go to a war zone. Jesus. <laughs> that I was taking in the war zone. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, came home from that. And then, you know, I was, I had a buddy of mine, Josh Hudson, that came from the army school of music that he was a former infantryman that reclassed band and he's a guitar player, sick talent. And this guy, like the guy is amazing. Um, and he came to the band and him and I just kind of clicked like immediately. Like we're like, we're still brothers to this day. Like he, he's actually stationed at Fort Bragg now. Um, and he actually, so when I retired, he reenlisted to go to station of choice to go to Campbell so that him and I could be closer together Mm -hmm. and life got so freaking busy that we hardly got any time together. Um, and now, yeah. And now he's at Bragg, but he's from Tennessee. Like he's actually from the area where I ended up settling in. So when okay. he retires, I think he's coming back this way. So, um, but yeah, he's E six. I think he's going to make. I'm hoping and praying that he's going to make seven because he deserves it. Um, 
but he, uh, him and I started working on music and that's what that documentary that they were going to film on us was going to be filled with the music that him and I were writing. Okay. Um, but then when I got out, like the army band kind of like emotionally ruined me on music because there's such a perfectionism or perfectionism that, that is, and it's just like, it's not, there's no such thing. Like you can't be perfect. Right. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't agree with trying to like to, to be perfect. I believe in trying to achieve excellence. Um, but I got, I got berated. I got belittled. I got screamed at. I got cussed out. I got told I was no good. They didn't know why I was in the unit at time by certain people. Right. Wow. But it, it got me to a point where I, like, I kind of gave up on music for a while. And then I came to Tennessee and the guy that was my vo- voice coach that the army was paying to coach me is here. And my, mm-hmm. my publisher and him were close and they introduced me to a bunch of people. And then, uh, about a year ago, I decided I'm going to not even a year ago. Oh my God. No, it was about a year ago. Um, I launched the fifth go fund me to try to fund an album. And for mm-hmm. some reason, like it's God's timing, right? So it's a, for some reason, this was the one that took off and the money came in because everyone prior to this would fail completely miserably. Nobody supported it whatsoever. Right. Um, and this one was like, we maxed out in a matter of like, uh, I think it was 110 days. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so we, we downsized the album um, because that was the other thing. Like, you know, back in Indiana, I could, I could make a phone call and go, I want to start a band. I got you. And then, you know, that week we're writing music. Tennessee, it's a livelihood. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, 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 so it's a different mentality here. Right. So it's here. It's a business. It's a livelihood back home. It's everybody just wants to play music right here. Everybody's right. trying to make it in music. And so as soon as you go, Hey, I want to, I want to start a band. I'd like to write some music. They're like, Oh yeah. It's like this much per song. Whoa, guy, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> Back up, guy. Um, mm-hmm. and so I had to change my mindset and kind of evolve with that. And so finally got, I was like, okay. And so I hired a songwriter and we sat down and he, I started giving him like, these are the concepts I want to do. And so we started song by song. I was like, this is the first song. This is what it's about. He's like, okay, where, where do you want to go stylistically with it? I want this. And so he would pull up about five or six songs from that genre or that band or whatever. And he'd go, all right, let's, and he would start coming up with some guitar riffs. I'm like that right there, do that, do more of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so he would, and then next thing you know, I've got an eight-song EP coming out on July fourth. So awesome! And, and the crazy part is, it's it's the entire album from jump to end is the life cycle of the service member of the veteran, right? So the warfighter. The first song is called Legacy, and it's about that desire as a kid to join. Like we just know that we want to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And then the second song is that first time you leave home for combat and you leave your loved ones and it's a duet and it's your side of the story and then their side of the story. So for mine, oh, it was wow. me and my wife. My wife actually sings on that one with me. Nice. Um, and that one's called All For You. And then Baptized By Fire is the next song, which is about the first time you have combat action. You know, you get baptized by fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have a song I wrote back in 04 with my previous band called Falling Down, which really fits. Because back then when everybody was coming back from Afghanistan from OEF1 and People are coming home from OIF one stuff like that. I'm like, you know, what happened? What did you notice about yourself? Like, I started asking all these questions, and I wrote that song. Um, and that song is twofold. It's really about my spiritual waking, like the pain that I was going through, and everything that they came home with, right? Um, and so that was falling down, and then uh, wallet size, which, my, which is the one that my wife wrote that I took from her. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nice. I, I want this one. No. Um, we completely re- right. Well, we rewrote the 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 music on it. We changed the we changed the kind of the feel, um, and then we because it was really just acoustic guitar and two dudes singing, and now it's acoustic, electric, drums, bass, you know, vocals, all the stuff. 
Um, and that one, and that one's really about the changes that your loved ones see in you it's from their perspective. Oh, you wow. know, back, back when she wrote it, it was a breakup song. You know what I mean? But the, the words, when you read them, it's really like you start seeing the difference in that person that they didn't show you up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that one is, so that's that one. And then cut off, which is when you leave the military and you transition and then you don't feel like you belong to anything anymore. Family, you know, your job, you don't have an identity in the military, like all that's gone. Right. But yeah. there's a spin to that one is that because there's a there's a there's a group of us in that that live that right that realize that that's not good enough for me. I have to find a way to fix this. Right. And so that song's about that whole piece right there. Um, and then the title track of the CD, which is called For Those That Remain, mm-hmm. um, it's a song that's actually written and dedicated to like all the Gold Star families. It's, it's dedicated to all of us who have lost friends to suicide. And it's dedicated to all of us who have lost friends in combat that are still standing tall and still marching forward. Right. It's that song is to them. Um, and it's the, like I said, the, the album is called For Those That Remain. And that's the name of that song. And then we end the album with the Warriors Garden song. Nice. So when you wrote a warrior's garden, what's the story behind that song? So that like, so I had been out of music for a long time and I was frustrated and I didn't know what to do. And my buddy, I made a really good friend um, who's a combat veteran. He was in Somalia during black Hawk down with 10th mountain with QRF. Um, And he's a very, very successful businessman, very, very successful singer songwriter in Nashville. Um, and I was just like, Hey dude, this is, I want to write a song about my book and all the things that I'm doing. And he was like, I've been waiting for you to ask, let's go. And so we made a Saturday. I went to his office and we sat down and, you know, it's crazy how music comes together. And it was about an hour and a half. We wrote a warrior's garden. Um, and then I think it was two, three months later, he called me up. He's like, Hey, can you take some time off work and meet me at the studio? And so I showed up at the studio and he recorded his version and I recorded my version. Um, and there it went, you know, awesome. and, and it's really just about the song is really about all of it combined. It's, it's my reason. It's my why. You know what Very I mean? Good. It's why I do the nonprofit. It's why I do the farming. It's why I do all the other stuff. You know? Gotcha. Now, if you would, uh, let's, since you mentioned the nonprofit, that was definitely where I was yeah. wanting to go with this. Uh, tell, tell me about the nonprofit. What, what do you do? How, I mean, if you don't mind even how it got started. So worst decision of my ever loving life. Um, <laughs> Says every nonprofit <sighs> ever. I, you know, like, okay, I have two ex-wives. This was worse than that. Um, oh, God. No, it's, 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 I don't like asking for help. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I'm a doer, right? I get up and just go do stuff. And right. so the whole purpose of a nonprofit is half your job is you have to ask people for support, for finances, for help, for all that. I hate that mm-hmm. part. I want to go build gardens, right? I want to go bless a veteran or a gold star family or a first responder with something in their backyard that looks really cool, right? Yeah. Um, that they can grow food in, okay? So they can become self-sustainable, all that. And, and yeah, so I started a nonprofit where I have to beg people for stuff, which is, it's, it's fine. I'm learning how to cope with that. Um, but no, it's, uh, I, I was literally, I was, I was sitting at home and I was already doing this kind of thing. Like I was already building a couple gardens here and there for some veterans. Like, just cause I thought I want to share what's working for me. Yeah. And a guy that I served with in the infantry in the national guard reached out he's an OIF one vet. And he goes, uh, he's like, Hey man, he goes, my church just gave me 20 acres. So go get your 501c3. We're starting a nonprofit. Nice. And what the heck are you talking about, dude? And he was like, we're going to build, <laughs> we're going to build a community garden on my church on the, on the, on the grounds. 
you know, so I'm like, oh crap. And so I, I reached yeah. out to, uh, I reached out to John Jackson from Comfort Farms. He's a, a ranger veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I was like, hey dude, um, how did you get your 501c3? Like I was, I was like over completely over. He was like, oh yeah, I hired this accounting firm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they just, they did all the paperwork for me. I'm like, it's that easy. Uh-huh. He was like, he's like, yeah, it's like, he goes, it's about 600 bucks, you know? Yeah. And I was like, okay. And so I called them up and we talked and, and they were like, yeah, we can do it. You can miss your email. And 90 days later, I had my, my 501c3, um, which is called Warfighter Gardens. And we build, we build therapy gardens for veterans, first responders and gold star families. That is awesome. Yeah. And then we, when we're done with the garden, like we assign them a master gardener in their area um, Mm -hmm. or someone in the area who knows really well how to grow. And that way, whenever they have questions, they need mentorship about growing or whatever, they have somebody available. Okay, so it's not just a hey, here you go, Buster Black. Yeah, you know, nope. Yeah, <laughs> nope. It's, it's not like exiting the military. It's not like see you later. Um, right. we, there's an alumni program where, that we keep them. We keep in. We, I still stay in contact with every. We've built 47 gardens total across the country, and I, I mean, I've, I've stayed in contact with everybody. Awesome. Now, how long does it typically take you to set one up? That's Couple a loaded days. question. <laughs> that's a loaded Um, question you physically get out there how long does it take you to although i guess it depends on the size of the garden how so on the day that i show up to build the garden we'll be gone we'll be done that day okay i I bring a team of six to eight people with me and then i tell them to bring you know 10 to 15 family members and friends Mm -hmm. and we make it a community project and we knock this thing out in a day and these are and these aren't little like we're talking 18 feet long six mm-hmm. to eight feet deep, you know, two to two and a half feet tall. Like these are big gardens and there's a lot of dirt to move. You know what I mean? Right. Um, there's a lot of cuts to make and they're all custom designed to the individual. Like we did a, um, I think, I don't know if you've seen it. We did an American or uh, air force logo garden. It looks just like mm-hmm. the, Amer- the air force logo. Yeah. I mean, this thing is probably 26 foot across in span. Wow. Like it's just massive. Um, we did it in a day. Now there was three months of prep work. You know okay. what I mean? Like I did, I did like with that one, I did some of the cuts up front trying to figure out the angles. Um, and then I had the week of, I coordinated and had like, you know, I think it was eight yards of, of soil dropped off on the property and then like four yards of mulch. And then, you know, we, you know, coordinated because when we do it, we, we feed them. Like it's, there's breakfast and lunch catered. Right. You know what I mean? And, and so we took care of that. And then, so there's, there goes three to four months, like every garden, individually that garden the timeline starts we have three to four months to prep them and that's coordinating because because it also depends on where like if it's here local in like Mm -hmm. in middle tennessee i can coordinate it in a week you know what i mean like i don't like to but i can um if it's if it's somewhere else like i have gardens in colorado that i need to get to i have gardens in indiana that i need to get to gardens in maine um and that's the other the other drawback is i'm on site for every build okay you know what i mean so and i have a day job i'm a veteran service officer so i I, I, I work for the county government. I can't just take off whenever I want and go do this full time. I guess because <laughs> right. if I could, like if I this was if I could get paid to do this as a job, mm-hmm. like if I could find a grant writer to write the grant that covers all of my overhead, I would be doing this full time every day. This would be my job, right. and I would have a garden in fifty states in in about the next two years. Now, for those people that don't know, how therapeutic is gardening, dude? Like, there, so I can do it alone by myself and just process my stuff mm-hmm. 
or I can have somebody out there with me and we can just talk and talk and, and deal with it. Right. But I mean, there are studies out the wazoo of the microorganisms that when you get your hands in the soil, that the skin absorbs to actually reduce you from, from depression mm-hmm. or re- reduces you from anxiety. It elevates you from depression. It balances you out because of these microbes that are in the soil. Right. And you're, yes. and, and, and putting on gloves, Oh my, no, my hands are going to get dirty. Get your hands dirty. Okay. Yeah. Like take care of it because now you're absorbing the nutrients and this is why grounding is so important, right? Yes. You walk, I, I walk yes. around in my backyard barefoot all the, and a lot of times I'll go out to my garden and take my flip flops off and I'll garden barefoot. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Just because it's like I, now I'm, I'm absorbing all this stuff and it's, it's, you're absorbing iron. You're absorbing. I mean, just, there's just a list of things that your body takes in that you don't normally get. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, yeah. that's what sucks about people that live in the city, you know, and you're surrounded by the concrete jungle. Um, you're, you're not being grounded properly. You're wearing insulating shoes. You're in a freaking two-story or bigger building. You're, you're not getting that direct contact with the ground. Well, yeah, and then you've got, you know, you're, all your windows have UV light protection on it, so you're not soaking mm-hmm. in the vitamin D. You're not getting all the proper nutrients you need from the sun because we actually are positive things from sun that we're supposed to get in direct sunlight. Yes, you know what I mean? So yeah. I mean, that's I, part of the reason why I do what I do. I, I do pressure washing. I'm outside right? hopefully every day and I don't wear, you know, I probably should, but I don't wear um, sunscreen or anything. I've got a nice, let's see how farmer's can going on. You can on. see where I wear my, my bracelets. Your watch. My, well, no, these are, oh, I, wear, bracelets. I wear six uh, of the KIA bracelets for my buddies. That were ah, there you around. go. Okay. It's like, I don't leave the house without them. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's just something about being outdoors, get that natural sunlight, you know, but uh, all right. Well, we have been at this for almost an hour now, so I want to start getting things wrapped up Um, for those that are watching this on YouTube and will eventually see it on. I I found this out. This is kind of cool. I host my show through anchor and also with heroes media group, but when I upload it, yeah, so Adam Bird. Adam Bird is one of my best friends, man. I love that guy. Awesome. Uh, so he will hopefully love this episode. Uh-oh, what you got? Oh, shit. I've been wanting to try that. I, I'm not a gin it's, drinker. I'm not either, and it's going to stay sealed. This is my ah. I Love Me bottle. It's on my shelf. There you um, go. There you it go. Sits, here's the beauty of it. It sits right next to my ah, Heroes Vodka by Travis McVeigh, who's a Marine Corps and Army veteran. Yeah. This one's actually autographed, so. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And then, actually, Adam and I are launching, by the end of July, we'll be launching the uh, Warriors Garden coffee line. Nice. I will actually give that a shot. Um, So, if you're watching this on YouTube, like I was starting to get into Anchor, now allows me to upload video. So, if you're watching it on Spotify, you can watch the full video on Spotify, uh, through the Spotify app. So that's kind of cool. That's a new thing that I just learned about. And also at some point it'll get shared out on Facebook and everywhere else. But if you're not watching the video, you're missing the scroll at the bottom that talks about everything that um, Malachias has going on. So we've got a warriorsgarden.com. Go to Facebook. You can do uh, forward slash Malachias music. You've also got Instagram forward slash Malachias music. What else do we have for you? Uh, warfightergardens.org. 
Okay. And then that's our, that's the nonprofit. And then, okay. you know, but if you, I mean, if you go to, you know, the awardersgarden.com, mm-hmm. every there's, there's tabs for everything that we do. Like there's the music, there's awesome. the nonprofit, there's our store, you know, our, our merch store, everything in the merch store goes to the nonprofit. I don't, nobody mm-hmm. makes money off that. Like the t-shirts, the hats, the cups, the books, the workbooks, mm-hmm. um, all of that stuff, all of that gets donated, you know, of course, and then, you know, minus the overhead because you got to pay right. for the shirts, you got to pay for the hats, you got to pay for the cups. Yeah. Um, the cups are actually less expensive. It's probably our highest profit margin because I print those in house. Um, oh, nice. I I, or, I have a sublimation machine and I print. I buy the I buy the blanks and then I print them myself. Okay. Um, and then uh, on our website, or you can go to www.functionalveterans.com. Mm-hmm. We have a holistic trauma recovery approved program resource page. Nice. And, so, and it's a big word, it's a lot of words, but what it is, it's, it's organizations that do holistic trauma recovery, like equine therapy or art therapy or music therapy or all those things that mm-hmm. we've personally vetted and certified them as a holistic group, which means that they're doing the right thing financially. They're doing the right thing spiritually. They're doing the right thing emotionally and they're doing the right thing physically for all their veterans. Very good. Yeah. Awesome. And just because you've got your album coming out July 4th, where can people find that? Uh, it'll be on Spotify. It'll be on Amazon. It'll be on iTunes. It'll be on all the major players except for, I want to say iHeart, which I need to, I think there's an extra thing I have to pay for to do that. So I think I'm going to do that with the album um, and get it on iHeart Radio. And then um, right now, if you go to the Facebook page, uh, the, you know, facebook.com forward slash Malachi's music. There's a spot where you can pre-order the physical CDs. Okay. Um, cause we're doing a limited run. Um, and the, here's how it works with the CDs is that when you purchase your pre-order, mm-hmm. they do not go live for sale for anybody else until the pre-orders are fulfilled. Nice. You will be the first group and we're only doing a hundred of them total. And there's only a few left, but oh, the, uh, the, um, you you will not nobody else will have the CD before the people who ordered the pre-order. Once the once the pre-orders are all fulfilled, mm-hmm. because those I, I get, I'm getting all of my finished back or all my finished tracks from the producer on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Once I have all of those in hand, I get them uploaded into all like you know into the server to get them onto Spotify and all that, and then I get them uploaded to the place to go have the CDs printed. Um, okay, so I'll have them. I should have them by the end, mid to end of July, and then they'll go out, you know, in the mail, all that, and then they'll be available for sale for the rest of the public. Okay. But until so, the, until those pre-orders are done, nobody else gets one. So the pre-orders are limited to 100, or you're only yep. doing 100 CDs? Nope. The pre-orders are limited to 100 pre-orders, because those are okay. the ones that are going to get autographed, all that kind of, you have the option to get them autographed and all that. Nice, nice. Yeah. And then after that, the regular album will be available to everybody for. Yep. It'll be. I mean, it'll be streaming. It just won't be available for physical purchase until those are fulfilled. Okay. Gotcha. Very good. And anything else you want to cover that we haven't touched on? Uh, Anything you want to throw out there? I'm pretty fried right now. I don't. My brain's not working. (laughs) I think I'm good, man. I think I'm good. Gotcha. All right. So what we're gonna do? We're gonna finish this episode off with a warrior's garden. Awesome. And um, so everybody, you know, enjoy the video, enjoy the song. If you're listening to this on one of the streaming platforms, check out everything he's got going on. Be sure to look into the show notes because that is where I will have the links for all the stuff we talked about. 
And um, outside of that, uh, I will see you, Malachi, on the other side of the video. Everybody else, I will see you on the next run. Still alive